Can one short course on copywriting really change your life? Can one short course on copywriting set you up to become the creative director at one of Australia's most prestigious advertising agencies? The answer is yes and yes. And my next guest is living proof. Hello, I'm Bernadette Schwert, and this podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre and the Australian School of Copywriting. Together, we are the creators of Australia's most popular copywriting courses for those who want to get paid to write. If you want a fast, affordable way to get started on your copywriting journey, check out copyclub.com.au and discover a community of copywriters who can help you fast-track your writing career. Ben Keenan is a man to watch. He grew up in Reservoir in Melbourne. He studied media arts at RMIT. He founded his first online business in 1997. He started copywriting uh, with a short course at the Australian School of Copywriting in 2000, and I was his teacher, which I'm very proud to actually say. Uh, He got into award school in 2004 and came second in the class. Uh, His first copy job was as a junior copywriter at Grey Advertising. He then became head of award school in 2013. He then became the digital creative director at Clemenger BBDO in Melbourne, one of the world's leading advertising agencies. And he's won over, get this, 200 plus awards, 24 Cannes, Lions, One Show, DNAD Pencils, Effies, Webbies, you name it, he's won it. And he's now the director at Thought Police, which is a creative projects consultancy where he works with very big brands, both locally and internationally. And he's the creator of the Creative Class platform called thecreativeclass.com.au. Welcome, Ben Keenan. Ah, thank you, Bernadette. It's lovely to be chatting to you. <laughs> ben, you are a bit of a poster boy for a lot of copywriters because you came from you know, a really sort of humble um, beginning and you didn't have a lot of contacts and yet you just found your way at, at to the top of the tree. So that's what I, what I want to talk about today because even though people listening may not want to work in an agency, um, I think your, your pathway is instructive as to how you actually got there because you're now freelancing. So, you know, there's, there's all rooms, you know, in terms of freelancing agency, there's room for everything in everybody's career. So let me start with this. What are the top three roles you've had that made you feel like you'd made it as a copywriter or a creative? What were those pinch me moments? Oh gosh, the pinch me moments. I think I think probably I think Bernadette, probably the biggest pinch me moment, particularly as a copywriter, was uh, I think it was doing award school. Now here's the here's the interesting thing. I well, to, to backdate a little bit, I didn't really know what a copywriter was. It's really funny. I think everyone has this moment when they find out that there is a job that is actually sort of, I guess, you know, uh, writing or, 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 you know, conceiving kind of ideas for advertisements. And I had no idea what that was. I was curious about it. And I think I'd sort of seen sort of versions of it. Um, and I guess, I guess I got introduced through copywriting through, uh, I sort of mentioned a little bit of my background. I really got into, you know, at the time I was doing media arts, I was studying film. Um, and I uh, started building websites. And of course, websites needed copy. So I started doing the copy for the websites. And it led into that harder than I guess the other kind of aspects that I was also interested in as well. Um, so I guess my main sort of interest in being a copywriter, first and foremost, the first one I would say came from my first business, which was called frostwave.com, where I was selling analog effects pedals. So these are like really obscure uh, stomp boxes, like the insides of uh of old analog synthesizers 
kind of the building box of what electronic music is made out of. So this really interesting man in Carlton was building them. And through being part of the music scene in Melbourne at that stage, I started building his websites and um, I needed to work out how to do sales copy for those. So that was a real pivotal moment. I kind of went deep in that and sort of worked out ways of doing copywriting to try and just frame what those products did, worked out what a benefit was and all that kind of thing. And at that stage, I kind of knew I needed a little bit of help. And that's where I came. That's why I met you, because I ended up doing your course, because I thought I needed some practical skills in that. And I think that was a pivotal moment. A second pivotal moment was you've had a guy called Fish Rutherford, who was, an, uh, was a creative director and a copywriter. I'd never really heard of what that was before. And he worked in an agency. Um, and he came in and did this amazing exercise in your class, which was about purely about conceiving kind of ideas for products. And it kind of blew my mind. And I thought, wow, there's a job behind that. And that was sort of nudged me on to kind of open the gateway to, that was a big moment. And that opened the gateway to what award school was. So uh, award school is award, first stands for the Australian Writers and Art Directors Association. So it's a professional body, particularly for the advertising industry that trains people to be art directors and copywriters, which are the creative teams within the traditional kind of agency structure who conceived the ideas for advertisements. So I did that in 2004. Um, you have to answer a brief and you, you know, you to, to gain entry and you basically, it's a, it's a 12 week course, I think it's a 14 week course now. And you, uh, you go week by week doing briefs and being mentored by creative teams and creative directors. Um, and ironically, um, I got a, my first job at uh, Grey Advertising as a copywriter, which was my third thing, actually getting a job being a copywriter, which is pretty amazing. And ironically, my, my mentor at many, um, Annie Price, uh, like Fish Rutherford was her mentor. <laughs> full circle. That all full circled really nicely. <laughs> yeah, so Ben, you've... Um... You've been freelancing, you've worked in agency, but for those listening who are copywriters starting out, what three tips would you give them based on your experience? Oh, I, think, I think the main thing to do with copywriting is, I think that the, the, the main thing is it's a skill that you can't actually learn on your own. I think that's my main sort of tip that I sort of learned. You actually need to be around people who are copywriters. I think when you're starting to just broaden your understanding of what it is and how to do it. Um, it's, uh, I think that's, that's a really sort of major tip. I think the best thing I ever did was uh, I got really lucky to end up in Grey. That was a really copywriting focused advertising agency. It had the client TAC and all of TAC's ads were pretty much headlines, you know, headlines on a black background. And uh, all of the creative directors in um, uh at Grey, most of them were copywriters. It was interesting because advertising was moving away from copy to being quite visual. Um, so that was that was a really important thing to be around people. That's the first who've done it a lot longer than you have. Um, the second is, I guess, sort of embracing the, I guess, the craft of it. And I did things, for instance, I studied it really heavily because I was sort of out of my, I felt so out of my bed you know, <laughs> while I was doing it. And I found, and I think you can still buy copies of it, and I, I still don't think it's too antiquated to sort of say this, but there's an amazing book called uh, The DNAD Copybook. So DNAD is, the, is, is what a ward is in the UK. And it has all these amazing long copy ads that used to be, you know, back in the old days in 
the newspaper advertising and magazine advertising is a bit more prevalent. Um, people used to do long copy ads. I guess it's a little bit what advertorial is nowadays, but like um, there was this amazing sort of era of copywriting, which is prior, it was much before the era of now. And I would literally, in my first copy job, I would I'd be so intimidated by having to kind of write things that I would come in early for an hour and I would just transcribe things out of the DNAD copy book. <laughs> just literally with a, with a pen and, a, you know, a brief, uh, you know, a full scale kind of briefing kind of notepad to go just to try and get that alliteration of all these sort of great sort of copywriters who had this ability to kind of write in this really succinct way and, you know. So that was the, the point of that then was to get into their mind space as to yeah. if they're writing this way and I'm writing this way, hopefully I'll, it'll rub off on me. Yes, that's right. To try and emulate them. I guess it's like it's like the logic of almost, you know, if you want to kind of learn how to play, I'm a musician. So it was like the logic of if I want to learn how to play uh, uh, play like a guitarist, I need to sit down and learn their song. Do that's really like, interesting because when I uh, write copy sometimes and I have to write in a style or tone that's very different to what I would normally write, let's say quite elegant and sparse, you know, high end. What I do is I go and copy a bit of copy from one of those types of places, you know, some ad, and I put it into the word. And then I actually uh, keep writing as if I had written that. So it's very similar to what you're saying. It kind of gives yeah. you this sort of um, absorption into it and you become it and then you just keep writing. And I know a lot of the, the writing tutors in novel writing talk the same. They say, look, if you love Hemingway or whoever, get their writing and copy and paste it and then keep writing their way, which is yeah. sounds odd, but it kind of works. I reckon it totally works. Totally works. Like one of the great copywriters, I think, that I really hooked into was a guy called David Trott, who's a UK copywriter. He's still active today, um, probably a bit more active in the 80s and 90s. He has this amazing, he does this thing, which is um, basically the paragraph sentence. He's the master of the paragraph sentence. So his copy is this really sparse, sort of conveying all these, this wonderful kind of information in this flow where it's just single set of sentences it's a really interesting style and I remember kind of hooking into that and going wow that was really incredible to kind of learn how to convey that but obviously you learn other things which is I guess from those old copy those long copy ads because they're like the basis of things um you learn different things like um really important things like importance of headlines the importance of what copywriting actually is which is basically it's 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 conveying an argument and having a strategy running through a piece, but at no stage should that strategy be showing. And yeah. that's the trick. And whatever your your headline and the way you finish have to kind of, they need to kind of close a loop. And there needs to be something kind of in that. And that's such a fundamental. And you learn that when, you know, gosh, you, you learn that when you're having to write like a, you know, it could be just a one pager. God, I'm just thinking back to myself being like Ray and having to write a one pager for like a, you know, a finance product. <laughs> mm. that, but that's exactly the same structure that you need to kind of keep in mind when you're writing a TV commercial. It's, it is slightly different and the TV commercial has got a different language to it, but it is really the same thing. Yeah, Ben, it's funny. In my course, I show a lot of old ads, you know, from David Ogilvy days and, uh, and some students go, why are you using old ads? You know, why wouldn't you show, you know, the most modern stuff? And I said, well, I, I do show those too. But I, the reason I show the old stuff is because I want to demonstrate that the principles have not changed. The principles of persuasion, uh, the way humans think, the way we react hasn't really changed. So you, you, what you're saying too is the merit of looking at the old stuff can be valuable for the new stuff. 
Amazingly so. Like uh, when I'm doing, I do a lot of um, workshops and, you know, courses on copywriting and have done them for a long time, mainly for people from the, from the agency kind of world. But I, I show what is my favourite piece of interactive advertising. So I use the word interactive often to describe uh, what I was doing. I was digital creative director at Clemenger, but I actually used to refer to myself as an interactive creative director because I think a lot of a lot of communication nowadays is interactive. It's on social media. It's asking you to click on it or to share it or to do something with it. Um, and one of the examples I try and give students is this amazing letter for, um, it was written by David Ogilvie. Um, I'm going to use a bit of dated language here because it is, uh, the, the letter is from 1968. Um, it was for the United Negro College Fund and David Ogilvie was the chair of that at the time. And it's this remarkable letter where Essentially, the story goes that um, David Ogilvie put this letter on train seats going out of Grand Central Station, New York. Um, and uh, essentially, because David Ogilvie was, was an absolute genius, and you know, everyone should totally study David Ogilvie because he is an incredible man. Like, he's um, there is Ogilvie on advertising, which is an incredible kind of book just on copywriting and a lot to do with his career and building a large company. There's also this incredible book because his background is in being a door-to-door salesman I'm, I'm diverging here which is how to sell agda ovens have you come across that Bernadette? In no i haven't sales? it's amazing how to so, sell what agda. agda agda ovens so he was an, a door-to-door oven salesman before he was a copywriter and he was like the greatest oven salesman the company had ever seen so someone said you know can you just write down what you do and he kind of did. And he sort of, it just sort of showed just the way he thought was remarkable. And he was like this, um, he basically was the ground zero of kind of modern advertising. Yeah, well, he, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, you know, he's, he's the foundation of Mad Men and all those amazing programs. He is, he is. But this incredible letter, I, I'll, sorry, I, I diverged a little bit. So this incredible letter, basically uh, the first sentence, it was for people basically going to upstate New York, wealthy white people, in 1968, again, Mad Men, think back to kind of those scenes where Don Draper was on the train in that first couple of seasons. It basically says, like, you know, while you're coming out of the tunnel at such and such a street, look out the window. And what he's referring to is Harlem. So what Dagle Ogley ingeniously kind of worked out is I'm going to get these people to, uh, I'm going to target these people and hit them with the story for allow them to sort of see the plight of people who are, in in um, in a lower socioeconomic area, and the way the letter kind of goes into the fact that um, basically there are people living in these areas who aspire to the same things you do. The only thing is holding them back is money. You have money. In fact, you regularly donate that to your college. Why don't you take a percentage of the money you donate to your college and give it to the United Negro College Fund because it's an excellent investment and these are all the wonderful outcomes. That's essentially what the letter says, but it says it in the most elegant way. And the, as the story goes, that raised $200,000 over two nights. And all it was was paper and context and time and targeting the right people at the right time. Yeah. And it's, it's copywriting, but it's, it is copywriting. It's words on a page. But it's also it's understanding the audience, understanding where the audience might be and telling them something at the precise time where it's going to have the most effect, which is the other bit about copywriting, which I, fascinates me. And that's probably why my career has moved and into the world where the wonderfulness of writing and stuff on the page is great, but all the stuff that leads up to it is so, so fundamental. And that's probably the difference between, say, 
what, where my career kind of went and being an agency copywriter, for want of a better word, compared to being, I guess, another kind of copywriter, if you know what I mean. That's wonderful, Ben. And just on that, you have had this lovely world of both agency and freelance. Let's talk about the freelance because that's where a lot of people listening will probably start. And I also want to talk about security and freedom because I know you're you're very strong about if you can build your foundation as a freelancer and create that mentality that you take control of your, not just your work, but your existence, that's ultimately more, you know, stronger and a, a better way to go than relying on other people like agencies for your work. And of course, COVID has fast-tracked that. So talk to me about your entrepreneurial thinking around autonomy and independence and why we all need to be entrepreneurs now, even, you know, if we're working for someone. Yeah, I guess this is a conversation we've had often, isn't it? Like um, mm. something I'm really passionate about. I guess I've always been of the thought, yeah, because I'm a very, uh, I, because at, at the moment, probably, you know, similar to yourself, Benedict, and similar to others like us, I am, I'm, I make my living autonomously. And I, I guess I take that sort of very, very seriously. And I'm very interested in kind of, you know, sharing that with others. Um, it, I think the way the world is sort of structured now, especially for creative people, especially for copywriters, um, you're better off, I think, freelancing and building up a network and a reputation within that kind of network and drawing work from multiple sources than you are from drawing uh, an income off an agency or a single client. And my rationale is this, I think, things are moving really, really fast. And people, uh, you know, I think there's a the idea of the way I've noticed this in agencies, like their client roster is is not as secure as it was in the past. And relationships are not as long-term. If you look at the people who employ copywriters, namely brands or marketing managers, there's a habit of marketing managers changing jobs every two years. It's just a strong kind of trajectory. So if you look at all that, it makes the idea of kind of thinking that you're more secure in a full-time job sitting inside an agency is actually simply not true. Like I, I guess in the, in the COVID times, what I sort of found, and again, you know, my work has, was affected by COVID, but because I was in a world where I guess I've got, you know, at any given time, you know, seven to 12 clients it's a far more secure way to kind of make your living. And those clients really do the work for those clients. They generally, that word of mouth attracts more clients. And I think that's the key to kind of freelancing. I think there's a, there's a whole bunch of work to it. It's also, a, you know, like I said before with, um, you know, David Ogilvy's example, it's not just the work you're kind of doing. It's sort of everything that comes behind it. Like there's a whole thing, there's a lot of things you need to do as a freelancer, which is also to ensure you're always warming up your network and you're always connecting people to other people and that you're also sort of, you know, helping. Um, the classic thing about networking, I think, especially in this day and age, is you want you to be sort of putting things back into the network, be it helping, educating, be it, um, you know, supporting others, helping others sort of find, find work and opportunity. And that stuff just reciprocates and it comes, it comes back to you. And I, I've sort of realised, I think, I can think of no better way to make a living to do, than doing that. I find it really, really satisfying. And Ben, you talked about sending, is it the 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 bucket down 
what's that expression you use? Oh, no, sending other people coming up the oh, ladder. Oh, no, it's sending the lift down. Sending yeah, the yeah, lift yeah. down. No, yeah. that's, that's really true. And I think I've done, oh, we mentioned the award school thing, and I, I, I wasn't really doing this consciously, but when I started my career, I was so, because I had no context in this world, in the agency world whatsoever. I mean, it's a very, it's a very sort of, to a large extent, especially the advertising agency world, it's quite impenetrable to come in as a creative. Award school is the, you know, the Australia's Got Talent <laughs> kind of reality show that lets, you know, if you're really lucky, and I was, gets you to kind of peek behind the kind of curtain there and kind of get into it. Um, but I sort of was really grateful for all my mentors, um, you know, through grey advertising, and I went to MC Saatchi, and I was always mentored for all these sort of wonderful generous people and what I soon realized is that they were mentored by others I just used the example of Fish Rutherford mentoring Annie Price Annie Price mentoring me and I continued that sort of lineage throughout my career and literally from day one of starting as a junior copywriter I was helping um, others always and I still do to a large degree not as much, not as much like I can can I can't do that as effectively nowadays because I'm not connected into the large agency world so I'm not connected to but you're helping people. other people in other ways I mean even being on this podcast today that's you're, right you're exactly helping right. others you know but I just want to pick up on something you talked about um about the agencies and the brands and no one's as secure as they think they are or, or hope to be um and this is evidenced by uh, like smaller brands or agencies like yourself you know like you're this collective of really smart people that you bring onto a project so why would a big brand hire a massive agency when they can get you guys for three months only instead of all these massive retainers. And I was just talking to someone yesterday in another sector, they were saying, uh, you know, like the um, outsourcing to India and the Philippines and what have you, even um, there's this company, they do valuation of businesses and they've got really a lot of big data to, to enable them to do it accurately. Even KPMG is outsourcing to them to do their business valuation and, and white papering it, you know, white labeling it. To give it back to their clients so that sense of you know we're just dis distributing the work you know it's no longer this sort of coherent organization that does it all even the big brands are outsourcing you know to developing nations so i think this myth that big companies equal security is gone yeah i think so as well but i think and also i think i mean the major thing and i can sort of talk about this and i can make my living out of being a freelancer because i particularly what I do now, because I did, I did work at the large branded agencies, which has actually been really, really helpful. And I think there is something in that. Like if you're, I think when you're starting out, if you do want to kind of pursue the path of actually being an agency copywriter and someone who works with an art director and goes ahead and wants to make TV commercials, there is something, uh, that world is the world you kind of do it in. And you, the brand of the agency you work with helps you kind of rise in that sort of in that kind of world and again we mentioned the, the awards thing I worked in, in in the world I was in particularly in Clemender that was a very um you know a, a very highly regarded agency a very um a very highly regarded creative agency that um did really well at award shows so for those who are unaware of this the advertising industry has its own it's almost like it's its own version of you know, the entertainment industry, it has its own version of the Oscars and the Golden Globes. It's really funny. It's like this sort of sport that no one really knows about, but it's, it's big in the agency world. Um, and I think some of those things like awards and working in agencies and creating work that's kind of visible are things that sort of 
able you to kind of increase your own personal brand? Because I think that's a really big thing. We talked about what freelancing is. And I think essentially what I've done and is I've created a personal brand through what I'm doing. And I think everyone does that nowadays. We all do it. And that's what why it's super important to uh, to you know talk about what you're doing not in a uh, in a help in a helpful way uh, to sort of share what you know and to sort of mentor others. I think that's kind of it's sort of everyone's sort of duty, and we're like autonomous kind of agencies, you know, if, if you like. But also, as I mentioned before, you in order to build that reputation, you need to build that reputation on work and your reliability mm. as, as what you're doing and the quality of what you're doing and the integrity of who you are and, and how you're operating and that kind of thing. Because Reputation precedes you, doesn't it? You it know? does. And it people does. want to work with people they like. Even though you could be the most amazing writer, but if you're, you know, difficult, late, you know, cantankerous, that's, that's no fun. But then I want to just talk about the, the mindset of, of copywriters and some of the fear that crops up when we're writing. And one of the things I've discovered over the years working with lots of creatives in film and, and art and music is that the perception that once you've written one great ad or one great piece, it's going to be so much easier to write the second one. But the reality is it's a blank page every single time, isn't it? So I'm just curious, did you ever face the imposter syndrome in your career? Uh, maybe you still face it now. And if so... How do you deal with it? Because I know that's such a common thing for people starting out. It's like, oh, I'm not a writer. I've never written before, you know, but you've just got to bring it on, don't you? you just got to um, accept it. Yeah. No, I don't know. Totally. I think one of my mentors, uh, Matt Garbett, who was at Cray, sort of told me a really great thing I've always stuck with me, which is like, you know, that not having an idea is sort of uh, is part of the process of having an idea. <laughs> it's just the step that happens beforehand. And I think that's actually incredibly true. Like, I think uh, I think everyone has this sort of, you know, creative anxiety around their ability to do things. Um, I know I had it. But what I actually did was um, I got really interested in how people did their work because it seemed like alchemy, really, from a, from a distance. Like, how people can just piece things together, piece things together so, so quickly. Because... Um, one of the funny things you notice inside with creatives in an environment like um, um, creative agencies is that, you know, senior creatives can just outrun and outthink kind of junior creatives just times 20. It's just crazy. And just watching these people going, how are you, they're in meetings saying the smartest things and they're, you know, there's a problem and they'll just sort of blurt it out and everyone go, whoa, how did you just do that? And you sort of realise that it's a skill. It's a skill. It's sort of noticing how, you know, disparate things inside culture, which are, you know, visual things and word things and cultural things and tension things and turning them into strategies and turning them into kind of useful things that convey something. It's actually like, it's like learning Spanish, really. You know, it is something that can actually be learned, but you need to kind of do it in order um, to learn it. So, and that's part of, I guess, some of the things that I've, I've, that's led me to a lot of what I do now, which is actually teach people how to how to conceive ideas. Because there is there is actually a there is a the process by which we go through in order to be writers and to be creatives in order to, to do things is incredibly internal. So when I talk about the internalness of it and what we're doing, but what we're doing is actually using our brain's pattern recognition systems and drawing on our ability to 
to to connect dots and bringing those two things together it's incredibly natural it's no it's incredibly unnatural for us to do that because our personal systems are built for survival you know i've always a good analogy is like you know if if a wolf jumped out at you you're not going to sit down there and kind of think of all these different well, what, what what things could i actually do to kind of stop myself from getting eaten by this wolf you would actually just run for your life and go with your first instinct but that's the problem that's what creativity is actually doing the opposite of what our natural instincts are which is to try and think of try and um a good definition of creativity is it's it's not it's not having the answer for as long as possible and considering all the answers which is which is a really anxious state to put yourself in it's actually incredibly unnatural and you need to actually get used to the idea that that is actually your job your job is actually to sit inside this sort of anxious state and consider all the possibilities around you and not land anywhere and then come back and just still not land anywhere the next day purposely to come come up with something that's sort of original and interesting that's going to generate more value so that's that's probably the major kind of and that's you know something i've always been passionate about and why i i basically you know teach uh, i've uh, teach people how to do conceptual creativity and that's essentially what it is it's basically it's a practice of sitting inside uh, a little sort of uncomfortable kind of zone and just keeping on going you know ben that's one thing i i learned at a at a conference um by a very famous motivational guy and he he talked about the word decide and the root word of decide is to cut off and i find with copywriting i found that a very useful um mindset to have that at some point you have to decide and say this is the way i'm going this is what i'm going to write or else you continue on in that zone of anxiety of options and, and possibilities and you never actually finish or you find yourself running short of time any thoughts about what is that moment where you go okay i have to decide this is it yeah totally well, well that's it look this is the this is the two kind of parts of against being a creative person one is the first part i described which is going out and sort of deciding on all the different kind of possibilities so that's where you're that's divergent thinking that's going out and just sort of checking out all the possibilities and ideating brainstorming whatever you want to kind of call it it's actually grabbing at the possibilities and the second thing is convergent thinking and that's when you sort of need to put on your you know your critical hat and you need to decide the value of what you've got now the main thing in that that's a skill that actually takes practice and as i as i mentioned that is what makes that's the difference between that junior copywriter who's sitting there and kind of just coming up with all the stuff and the senior creative who's basically can organize their thoughts really quickly and get it done and the job of the person above them which is the creative director that's why inside agencies um we have creative directors so the creative director is the person who actually decides that so if you don't have that you need to learn how to do that exactly what you're describing you actually need to be really good at objectively kind of looking at what you're doing and going back to the strategy and going back to the purpose and objectively and ruthlessly kind of looking at am i generating value for the client and for the thing i'm doing in 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 what i've actually done you know you need to actually and that's a skill you need to learn um because essentially that's what copywriting is to to a large degree it's actually it is generating value for your client um and i think that's the thing that takes a bit of time and a a bit of you know it 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 will take filling pages and driving yourself a little bit mental 
that's actually a nice segue into working for free because I know you've you've talked a lot about getting started and how to build those networks and build that experience and and those uh, those mindsets. So, what is your you know top three recommendations for copywriters starting out? How can they get those those jobs, get that experience? Yeah, look, look, I think I think working for free as long as it's on your own terms isn't such a bad thing. Um, and here's the thing. I, I think there's a really interesting contradiction in, well, not some contradiction, it's kind of the fact of the matter. If you're a junior copywriter and you don't have much experience and you are filling pages and pages of stuff in the corner, it's great that you're kind of doing that. You're kind of, you're, that, but you may not be generating anything of value for the agency at that sort of stage. You're in a learning sort of phase. The best thing that can happen and the reason why, say, an agency might employ sort of a junior copywriter, and this always happens, is because you might be a really interesting thinker and you might come up with something and your angle on something or your take on something or your read of something is really interesting. And that will be sort of, oh, wow, that's really, that's a really fresh way of looking at that. And then more senior people would help you guide that along and turn that into something. Um, but as inherently as a, as a junior person without too much kind of knowledge of how things work, you are not generating much value. And in fact, you're taking energy away from the senior people to kind of look at you and kind of guide you and spend time on you. Like this, and it seems, this seems kind of ruthlessly cold in sort of saying this, but that's a, that's a sort of a fact, the fact of the matter. A lot of, um, a lot of the agencies I've worked at, um, you know, uh, particularly, you know, the, the sort of larger ones and really successful ones um, didn't hire juniors at all in the creative department. Like you'd have to be a middleweight or, or better to enter the, because there just wasn't the resources to sort of nurture that. Now, I was, I was one of the exceptions to the rule. I hired juniors a bit more back in my day and I, because I always found people and I was really interested in mentoring them, but there was always something that they had that was kind of really unique and, and could be could be nurtured. Uh, and, you know, had these sort of wonderful opportunities. But I would say, first and foremost, yes, um, if you can work for free, but do it really consciously. Like you should single out, um, you know, the place you want to work out, the thing you want to work on, if you're going to work for free, and ask if you can come in for a week. Um, also offer to be helpful in that sense. Hence why, you know, I think, I, I don't know if this has kind of been lost a little in this day and age, but there was that classic thing of like starting out in the mailroom. Like, I, I think that's gone now. I, I don't know why, but I think that's gone now because I don't think the, you know, the mailroom's probably been outsourced. <laughs> but, but like, there, there is like starting on the bottom rung, like every creative profession, you know, since three, if you were living 300 years ago in Italy, you know, you would be, and you want to be a painter, you would, at the age of 12, you would go off and work for a master and you'd just mix their colours for three years before they'd let you touch a paintbrush. And I think I've not seen, that's true of any profession you want to get into. If you want to be a, a sound engineer, if you want to be a, a painter or a filmmaker or a copywriter, it's pretty similar. Yeah. You do, you do need to kind of do an apprenticeship. And truth be told, it's a constant apprenticeship. I think that's really true as well. You, there's always someone to learn from and there's yeah. always knowledge to pass down as well. I think what you're saying there too, Ben, is have a long-term perspective, you know, like people coming into the, the copywriting industry. I, I always say, look, 
it, it is it is a long term um, endeavor, and don't get disheartened. You know, there could be you know six months of of putting out ideas and and networking and conversations that lead to nothing. But then on that next day, it could be the day where you get that life changing job, that life changing opportunity. So you know, hang in there. I guess is the motto as well. So Ben, before we wrap up, maybe. Um, you could tell us a little bit about the creative class. This is a, an endeavour for you. Can you just a little bit about that? Yeah, no, for sure. So, look, I think, as I said, you know, even by what I'm saying, like mentoring has always played a huge part in my process as a creative. And, and so I guess I noticed the creative class is something, is, is me, I guess, uh, I, I guess, focusing on something I've been doing anyway and making that, um, I guess, turning it into, uh, turning it into a, a platform where I educate people in conceptual creativity and practical creativity. Um, so for my whole career, I have uh, done masterclasses in creative thinking, um, helping people, uh, you know, unpack, um, you know, unpack insights, answer creative briefs, essentially improve the quality of their, of their work and their thinking and just tell them where their ideas are coming from. Um, it's something that's always fascinated me. It's, I've, from, you know, from the absolute first start of doing award school, I was always shooting my hand up and trying to ask people, how do you come up with ideas? And I was so fortunate that I've got to work across my career with, gosh, you know, really amazing advertising, you know, copywriters and creatives and, you know, even down to, you know, lots of, you know, really awarded filmmakers and musicians and all sorts of people. And I've always noted their different kind of quirks and creative processes. So the creative class is me, I guess, drawing on that. And um, I guess, yeah, teaching people creativity in a really practical field tested way. Less, less, I guess that's the distinction I'm sort of telling. Like I'm a, I'm a practicing creative. I, I, I look at what I do. I see what I do as a technician. And I'm really practical about it. I don't have any kind of artistic airs about what I do. I find creativity can be quite functional and quite practical. Not to say that there isn't, you know, beauty and poetry in the outcome of kind of creativity, but I have a very work, you know, working kind of approach to it, which is the way I sort of approach things in the creative class. And that's something, well, that's something I'm really interested in kind of, I guess, doing more of, because I think at the moment, you know, when, Creativity is what's needed when everything is going wrong and what's is going wrong at the moment. It's sort of a useful skill. And also to be really, really honest, you know, I'm sort of sitting, you know, I've had a, I've been really fortunate to have a really, to make my living through my creativity. And, you know, probably a little bit as well. It's like, I'm a, you know, I'm a white middle class, class dude. I think it's time I sort of step aside a little bit. <laughs> you see what I mean? Like, I think, to be really honest, I'm, I'm really interested in kind of, probably at the stage on stage where I'm at like just stepping aside a little bit and helping others brilliant people who haven't had that much of a voice or yeah. you know, haven't had the ability to you know to make a living through their creativity and give them we'll share what I know and try and help them along so that's a how do they it. how do they connect with you and how do they find out more about well them? at the moment um you could uh it's, it's still in early stages it's in development you can go to the creativeclass.com.au and uh perhaps just drop your email on there and I can give you more information of where, how that's sort of kicking off. Or you can reach me on my website, which is thethoughtpolice.com.au. And, um, yeah, you can get in touch with me there and sort of see some of the things I've been up to. 
Ben, it's been an absolute delight. Proud is not the right word because it sounds kind of paternal and maternal, but I am so proud of what you've been able to achieve. You've you've just done all the right things and uh, and been an absolute inspiration and beacon to a lot of other people as well. So thank you for joining me on this on this podcast. Oh. Bennett, thank you. It's been wonderful to reconnect. And no, thank you for, uh, you know, way back when, when in 2000, when you sort of told me what copywriting was. And I, I think I saw the ad for your course. Literally, I was walking down Swanson Street. It was on one of the sort of bollards. And I sort of checked it out and I did it. And yeah, it was totally, it just unlocked the whole world for me. So uh, yeah, I wouldn't be standing here talking, you know, we've said the word full circle a few times, haven't we? And this is one of those full circle moments where now I'm very gracious for, uh, yeah. For, for doing that course and, you know, oh, yeah, everything that's happened since. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Thank you so much. Okay, you take care. See you. So the results are in. A short course on copywriting can change your life. Before we go, did you hear that Elon Musk has set up a new restaurant on the moon? Yeah, I've heard it's uh, great food, but no atmosphere. My tip of the day, if you're stuck for words, go for a walk. Find out more about our short courses, head over to writercenter.com.au and copyschool.com and connect with me on LinkedIn if you'd like more of these lame dad jokes. I'm Bernadette Schwert. All the best. Take care and bye-bye.